Good morning, everyone. <clears throat> it's been a week and a half here. Blaine Bartlett. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm doing well. Good to see you today. Thank you for waking up early as always. And we have a special guest. Something, you know, sometimes I bring a guest on because I just want to learn. And it's so much less expensive to bring on an extreme <laughs> consultant to help me with what I need by just putting them on this show instead of like having her fly out here, spend millions of dollars for advice. So Meredith Bell, co-founder and president of Performance Support Systems. And she has two books. Uh, one, Connect With Your Team, as you know, is probably one of the most uh, important things for me in my business. And then uh, Peer Coaching Made Simple. And I have instituted over the last two decades a peer coaching system within uh, the companies that I run, advise for, et cetera. It's one of the most beneficial things. And I think within that, Meredith, people will comment when they come into my office pre-COVID or when they're around my team at some of these now allowed shows. And they'll say, I love the energy of your team as a collective. And to me, that's the greatest compliment as a leader uh, that I can receive. I don't care about my top line, bottom line, as much as I care about that people uh, are attracted to the energy of my team. Mm -hmm. How important is the energy within the context of connecting with the team in this peer-to-peer -peer type of mentoring and, and coaching? Well, you just nailed it, David. It's critical because if people don't feel that you know, connection and, and, the, and of course the, the underlying foundation is trust. You know, do I feel that you have my best interest at heart and can I count on you to back me, to help me when I need it? And I think that's really the key. I'm so thrilled to hear about the way you've implemented peer coaching throughout because most organizations haven't. And, you know, a lot of them don't even understand what that is. And um, if we could just spend a few minutes talking about what does that really look like? I'd love to hear if this is modeling what you are actually doing in your businesses, because one of the things that's so important, you know, a lot of companies hire executive coaches for top leadership, but they can't bring thank in God a coach. By, thank God, by the way, or, or Blaine and I would be broke. <laughs> Good point. <laughs> well, the thing is, they can't bring in a coach for every individual in the company, even though everyone needs coaching. And part of the issue, of course, is what does that look like? What does it mean? Too often, we've been hearing managers push back saying, I don't want to take on one more role. Mm -hmm. And they don't really understand coaching is a part of who they need to be in yeah. their work with other people. It's not an additional thing to add to their plate. It is all over their plate, if you will. Yeah. And so similarly with, with peers, people who are coworkers, if they can understand this is really valuable for our development. And, you know, millennials today really want that ongoing development. Well, this is a way to accomplish that because they are learning how to use these important interpersonal skills when they're doing peer coaching, right? They're listening, they're giving feedback, they're holding them accountable. And so this kind of effort where people commit to each other, 
I'm in it for you. I am here to help you as opposed to I've got this checklist, right? And have you done this? Have you done that? It's not that kind of accountability. In fact, I love one of the definitions I heard one time was you can count on me in terms of accountability. And so knowing you can count on someone else gives you this extra energy going back to what you started with the energy that people feel when they are supported, when they know others are looking out for them, it's huge what it does to the overall energy of the group. You know, Meredith, I had you on uh, my podcast you know, a little bit ago, Soul of Business with Blaine Bartlett. And one of the things I mentioned was that, uh, and, and we agreed on this, and I, you, know, you, you were a wonderful guest. Yeah. Folks, you got to go back and, and review that, uh, that that particular episode. She, you know, Meredith just was a star. Uh, but I mentioned on that that all every organization is is basically a collection of people that are in relationship. And if the relationships are working well, you got a pretty good shot at being successful. And where this peer coaching thing comes in, it has to do with a shift in mindset from the leadership mindset perspective <clears throat> in the sense of not using people as, as, as mechanisms to get a result. But my role as a leader is to develop people so that they can be the best that they can be. And as a consequence of that, I'm going to get my result. I mean, that's that's the yes. whole idea. And it's it's what comes first, the cart or the horse. And if leaders and managers are getting the you know, getting it clear that their role is to actually develop the people in their organization, that begins to move mountains. And then, you know, you introduced me to Gary Ridge over at WD40. And I love Gary. And what Gary's done there with his organization is predicated just on that notion. Now, you know, you've got the two books and you've also got a field book that I think is just a fascinating way to approach how you implement this. Because to Dave's point, you know, getting it down into the organization and to your point specifically, not everybody can afford you know, a coach for everybody. But if you've got peer coaching going on, I'd like you to talk a little bit about your field book, because I think it is a a, a wonderful way to position how this can get done effectively, economically, and ultimately with some pretty significant results on the backside of it. You're talking about the, the facilitator guide. Facilitator guide, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah, because what we did, you know, too often people buy books for others and they might read it, but head knowledge doesn't translate into behavior change and improve performance. And so we got to thinking uh, with these two books that we had created, there's powerful information in there. How can we bring it to life for others? Mm -hmm. So this facilitator guide really talks about how to have people identify a specific skill they want to improve, whether it's listening, giving, giving or receiving feedback, and then working with a peer coach. And it's not complicated. They don't have to be certified. It's a very simple process process for setting up a time to get together and then addressing how did you do this past week when you were or whatever frequency it is between their two sessions how did you do what um, problems did you encounter that I might be able to help you with and listening for that and just getting someone to explore the beauty of this is that it helps people develop into individual leaders themselves and prepares them for a leadership role later on because one of the key things that makes peer coaching easier is you don't have to feel like you've got the answers you know <laughs> you're one of the key things you're doing is asking questions to help people discover for themselves and so we've created this facilitator guide because there does need to be someone either internal or external 
with the organization that's kind of moving this along, that cares enough to champion this process and says, okay, people aren't going to just automatically organize themselves into peer coaches. There needs to be a structure. And so that's what we've mm -hmm. um, prepared for them. Yeah. And Meredith, I know you talk about this in your Grow Strong Leaders podcast uh, a lot. You've done over 100 episodes and there's two non-intended uh, benefits uh, that I found over the last two decades from utilizing this methodology. One is extremely valuable today and it's something called creativity. <laughs> what happens uh, is the inspiration of creativity through the peer-to-peer -peer. and then two, uh, the really non-intentional one is the scalability of a business when you have peer-to-peer -peer mechanism. What I found is, you know, I create a system where you shadow someone at first in this peer-to-peer -peer mentoring, you work with them in the peer-to-peer -peer mentoring, and then you supervise them in the peer-to-peer, -peer, and then they're prepared to mentor someone else with their own personality, frequency, mm -hmm. ideas, and creativity. What have you found in the years in the matter of how it inspires creativity? I, I will tell you, and, I, and there's two things you said before I get to the, to the question because it just cracks me up. I, I know I feel so guilty as an executive coach because sometimes I don't have the answer. And I usually say I don't have the answer, but I'll find it for you. Uh, but what every once in a while, I need to have an answer for credibility. So I'll just go right to the emotional safe uh, coaching uh, comment of, you know what the problem is? You don't feel worthy. And uh, it's the best executive comment ever because no executive feels worthy. And then you'll get them to cry and tell you what a genius you are. And how did you know I didn't feel worthy? Because none of us do. Uh, and I always share my super secret sauces of coaching. Uh, but on the other side too, how many times have you and Blaine and I helped somebody and gave them advice or, or mentoring or peer-to-peer -peer mentoring and said, God, that's a great idea. I should really do that as well. That's where the super oh, creativity. Yes. Right? Yeah. So creativity, that... creativity and scalability. I know you talk about it on your podcast. Uh, these are two unintentional things that happen. I was hoping you could explain why, uh, because you are such an expert in this space. You know, no. if I could add another C word that I think ties in with this so well, and that's curiosity. And the example you just gave is such a good one, because if if we can remember that we are being curious and ask questions rather than feel that pressure of I better come up with the answer here. And that's uh, we have three different chapters in our book around asking questions to help people learn to think for themselves so they are not feeling dependent on you. And so one of the ways thinking about creativity, curiosity, scalability, is if we can learn to ask questions that get people to become more independent, more resourceful themselves, that allows us to scale because we're not spending so much time in the minutia of answering all these questions. We create dependency when yeah. we uh, do that. And I want to share a powerful question. And Blaine, we didn't talk about this, I don't think, on my interview with you, but it is one of the most powerful questions I've ever learned to ask myself. And I think it'll be helpful for you in your coaching situations. How can I serve this person so powerfully that they never forget our conversation for the rest of their life? 
Mm-hmm. And that comes from Rich mm-hmm. Litvin in The Prosperous Coach. And when I read that sentence, that was like, oh my gosh, because I've always been about serving others, but this was like challenging me to a whole different level. And so if we can have that in our minds, then we realize that serving someone that powerfully that they never forget it is not about talking about us. It's about drawing out from them something they didn't even realize was there. Yeah. And so that is such a key to being a powerful coach, being a powerful peer coach is and it takes the pressure off you. And that's where the creativity can come in. When I don't feel the pressure to have the answers, then I can relax into just being fully with you. Mm-hmm. And and listening for what's important, what's not said, that could then be valuable to help you discover an insight that'll make a huge difference for you. Uh, the whole notion of curiosity, I've been asked numerous times in my career, what's what's the most powerful thing a coach needs to have if they're going to be successful? And my answer has always been curiosity. Um the idea of questions, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm glad you raised uh, you know, Rich's name. Uh, I've known Rich for years, and uh, the idea of questions, um, most people aren't practiced at uh, asking high-quality questions. They default to you know, just usually omnidirectional questions. Uh, you know, why is that true for you? you know, why doesn't give me any direction at all? It's just kind of like whatever shows up. In some of the training programs I do, I I will actually give an assignment uh, to an executive and say, I'd like you to come back tomorrow with a list of 10 questions you've never thought of asking your people or your organization. And then let's explore those questions with your team. And yeah, it's kind of like, well, what do you mean I've never asked? I, I mean, literally that questions you have never thought of asking before that serve where you and they would like to go. And it just stops them cold because people aren't used to thinking about high quality questions. And mm-hmm. questions serve two purposes, as far as I can tell. And we talked about this a bit. They number one, they they will point direction. They will point direction. The kind of question you ask determines what direction people go looking for the answer. Mm-hmm. And then the other one is the most obvious one, which is just general information. But I want specific information that I'll, yeah that can be used to move things forward. And mm-hmm. I and I love that question Blaine, about not, uh, not to not to inter- yeah, not to interrupt. But I uh, got guys in the in the green room, and I just want to oh. make a comment before we let Meredith go. Um, what you know, when you talk about you know high quality questions, I think it's more distinguishing purposeful questions. They're all high quality, but do they serve the purpose uh, that you want? Meaning, is it a close ended or an open ended question that serves the purpose of? Uh, leading someone somewhere through their own empowerment and ideas, or is it uh, a soul-searching question of an open-ended question where I can learn more about either how I could be of service or they could be of service to me? And I think that's an important distinguishment of how we determine a high-quality question or is that purpose behind it, which is ironically something that Blaine taught me, uh, <laughs> which is great. I'm <laughs> trans- transcoding the, the wisdom of my mentor, Blaine Bartlett, who sat here, Meredith, we'll have to have you back on. Uh, obviously, we have other shows. Uh, extraordinary, especially today, uh, with retention, uh, with yes. the great resignation, with recruitment, I think are three of the critical business issues uh, and will continue to be because of so many entrepreneurs that were in the last two years entering the workspace that now will face the statistics of 90% of all startups will fail. 
now they'll be faced with entrepreneurship, employment, and other things of being back onto a team. So uh, these two books are critical for everyone out there. Connect with your team and peer coaching made simple. Please reach out to Meredith Bell, growstrongleaders.com. She has a Grow Strong Leaders podcast. I apologize for keeping us on pace, uh, but we will have you back. I appreciate it. <laughs> Thank you. It's great talking to you both. Thank Meredith, you. I love seeing you again. Awesome. I could have stayed with her all day. Sorry for interrupting oh, absolutely. you. I, uh, you, you know me. I, I got to be the producer and uh, the executor of uh, intelligence. <laughs> <laughs> All right, there here is the problem. It's fun. Uh, people are so understanding and kind. That's what makes this show so great, right? <laughs> Especially yeah, you, Blaine. Absolutely. Especially you, uh, Justin <laughs> Rutrell. He's here. Look at him. Oh wait, he's now my favorite. Why, why is Justin my favorite, Matt? Why is my he's my favorite person now? That's right. I O O H I O the Buckeye himself. He is the benefits at oh, True North oh. advisor. <laughs> he's the founder of pull-ups for Tarzania. Uh, Blaine and I do so much uh, for and with Africa. Uh, I'd love to, you know, understand, understand how your profession has driven you to be the pull-up guy. <laughs> yeah, that's a nice little, what's that, what's that word? Uh, uh, career path. Let's see how this yeah. works. Well, Ohio State's pulled their way up with Oregon. So th this is an all-winning crew here. Hey, Oregon, go Ducks. That's right. The only team to beat the Buckeyes, Oregon, right there. That's them. But they're third and we're fourth. So we're all in the playoffs. This is good. There we go. There we go. Well, welcome. Good morning. Let's execute some intelligence on me here, huh? Yes. Okay. So background, benefits advisor, passionate about helping people um, when it comes to healthcare strategy and my focus of working with companies, 100 to 1,000 employees. I'll give you an idea. For 500 employees in a company, um, a company's paying out $5 million in claims. And, and that's a big price tag. And so my passion is figuring out how we can be more strategic, give less money to hospitals, insurance companies, and pharmaceuticals. Keep more money in people's pocket. I want to help grow the workforce. So that's professionally. And then personally, studying abroad in Tanzania in 2016, I got passionate about clean water. Um, as you guys know, uh, seeing it firsthand takes you to a whole nother level of impact. Yeah. And yeah. And so in, in, 20, in 2017, I, I did my first fundraiser and actually did a thousand pull-ups in one day. And that was the fundraiser to raise 25 grand. And it worked because people said, this is crazy. You're nuts. Here's some money. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And so now, that's, that's what I feel about Bezos and, and Elon Musk. Like, <laughs> you guys are crazy. Here's some money. You must Here's know something. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. Do, do your crazy stuff with it. So it's snowball effect, Blaine and David. And it's so cool. So we've grown every year. And now it's not just about me, it's about thousands of people doing pull-ups. So starting tomorrow through Sunday, we're doing 75,000 pull-ups across the country. 75,000 pull-ups to raise awareness for clean water. That is amazing. And, and how do people donate? So I know you raised 25,000 on 1,000. Were people you know, giving a certain amount per pull-up or, or a flat rate donation or all the above? Uh, all the above. It, whatever people 
want to give my tagline that I tell people is every $6 makes a difference. Every, just $6 impacts one person's life for years. And so some people do pull-ups, some people give money. We do 75,000 pull-ups, we raise $75,000. All right. That's the pull-up thing. Why do you limit yourself to $75,000? You're... <laughs> That's the ten dollars a pull up. Let's go over. Just say, start saying <laughs> we raise over seventy five thousand dollars, and when you get to seventy five thousand dollars, I'll make that come true, because I'll write a check to put you over seventy five thousand dollars. Deal. All right. So then Deal. you can tell people we raised over seventy five thousand, or maybe over a hundred thousand. Who knows? You, when people are crazy, you know one thing about them: they don't limit themselves. Right. So I I like as a criteria to invest in crazy because. Mm -hmm. The last thing I want to invest in is limitation. Right. Uh, someone that doesn't have the curiosity, creativity, the scalability, uh, the dream that can be manifested and materialized for other people's benefit, like you're doing in Tanzania. Yeah, Blaine, I can see you. I've, I've cut you off, off enough this morning. What do you got for me? <laughs> no, I'm singing the duck song to him though. <laughs> don't get me started on the ducks. I'll do a little quack attack here. Um, quack attack. <laughs> The idea, I mean, yeah, I do a whole lot of work in the healthcare space, Justin, and um, you know where you're where you're really focused. I think makes a huge difference. Uh, you know, and um, you know, just you know, curious. Uh, number one, is there something personal about why that space is so important to you? And then how? And if there is or isn't, how have you managed to leverage that most effectively? Hmm. Professionally, I fell into it. I fell into the insurance broker space and then realized it's really cool to help educate leadership teams, people who are excellent at what they do, but help them understand that there is a better way. There is hope in this in this very complex, convoluted black box that we put healthcare in. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have a reason to get into it to start with, Blaine, but I'll tell you, Two years in, I got a phone call at eight o'clock at night from my first client, a group of one, and now work with 100 to 1,000 employees. And this group of one um, was a, a business owner of Firehouse Subs. And he called me and he said, hey, Justin, I had a heart attack. I don't know what to do. Yeah. Can you help me? And I thought, wow, if, like, if I'm getting this phone call and he thinks he trusts me, this is a pretty special thing that we're doing right now. Wow. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I was looking for here. The element of trust comes into play. And I'm going to leverage that and, and go back to Tanzania. Okay. Uh, yeah, David and I both you know, are on the board of directors of the Unstoppable Foundation. And we do a lot of work in Kenya, a little bit in Tanzania, but a lot of work. Uh, we've got about a half a million people that are affected and impacted annually by the, the foundation's work. Yeah, bringing in clean water is not as simple as most people think. Um, because if you dig a well, you know, you're subject to groundwater contamination. So, yeah, boreholes. Boreholes are expensive and they're deep, but the water is clean. Um, what goes on with you such that, you know, the water focus became so crucial? Um, and, and I, and I asked that because, you know, you, you know, when David, one of the last you know, trips that David and I were on, uh, into, into Kenya, you know, Warren Moon was with us. And we were talking about, you know, if you had a choice, would you bring in clean water or would you bring in education? 
And it was interesting just kind of, you know, the, the responses that that question actually sparked. So I guess that's where I'm going with the, the question to you is, what's so important to you about water? I mean, I know we need water for life, but mm -hmm. you know, what was the personal link there for you? Because I think yeah. that's yeah, important to understand. Yeah. So we, we studied economic development in rural Africa. That was the class. So it was an econ class. It was nice to come in, not with like the missionary focus, but from the business mindset and the impact yeah. mindset. And we made it, we had these four quadrants, healthcare, education, economic development, and water. And what we learned, Blaine, was education is great, but realistically, kids aren't going to be in schools if they have to walk two hours to get water, if they don't have time to finish their homework. So water is before education. And with healthcare, it's, it, it, it's a toss up, but it's not a toss up is what we, we, we started with the toss up. And then we realized, well, half the medical problems are related to not having access to clean water. And so yeah. to us, water is the foundation of a pyramid. We could argue where education and healthcare, which one's next, but ultimately water, healthcare, education, and then economic development at the very top. Yeah. That's yeah. And, you know, I was there in, in Kenya for that question with my business partner, Warren, and I looked at him and I said, what a trick question. And he said, what, what do you mean? I said, well, of course you would choose water or healthcare. Uh, most likely water because that is the key to health. You know, we have four, four things we need, nutrition, water, air, and sleep. Um, and from there though, education's inherent within implementing the boreholes, right? So mm -hmm. the, the education process can be overlapped to whatever you prioritize. Education mm -hmm. isn't its own specific category education is being more interested than interesting education is empowering and elevating uh that's why you were in tanzania is people were educating you by allowing you to participate in providing healthcare and water in economic impact or whatever it is so uh i i i, I giggled at uh the question when when it was said the first time because it's a trick question and you know nobody <laughs> thinks of answering it with both uh, last question now. Um, you played college football at mm -hmm. my favorite college football team. <laughs> no, not at all. Oh. Oh. No. I'm not offended, but go, go ahead. Continue That's all right. the question. So, so you, you play college football like I then. You, you played at a small school and loved yeah. Ohio State. Right. <laughs> That's the advantage of playing for a college that nobody plays is yeah. you can root for whoever you want. I could be a Ducks fan. I will tell you this about the Ducks before I ask my question. My favorite quarterbacks all went to Oregon. Yeah. So the all so Dan Fowler and Justin Herbert, uh, two two of the best, uh, as you'll see the, the 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 end stones. But I always say that the blend of business and philanthropy. This is my what I want to really yeah, ask you. Yeah, yeah. That playing college football, especially, changed my life more than anything else. So what impact did that experience have for you? You were never going to go to the NFL, you know, but what impact did that college experience have on your perspective of helping others making money and having fun? Work ethic. Yeah. <laughs> far, far, far and above. And, and so that's where like the passion, the craziness, like I'm just going to go for it. Right. If I have a goal and we set a goal, just like in football, 
I'm going to go for it and work my butt off until we hit it. And so when like David, this started a month ago when I asked you, I said, Hey, I'm, I'm created a new mission statement and that's to be on a quest to impact millions of lives personally through clean water initiatives and professionally as a benefits advisor. And I've said it for a year now, but I'm, I haven't figured out how to bridge the gap yet. How do I do a better job at connecting my passions? Yeah. And just real quick, cause I'll let Blaine comment on this too, cause we love questions. I, I think if you look within, regardless of what you want to bridge outside of you, if you look at your skills, your knowledge and your desire and how they're synergistic, supplementary or aligned with or can be applied to each of the individual aspects that seem or perceive to be separate, but they're not. <clears throat> and when we look within, we start realizing there's no separation between us and anything else and anything else and anything else. And so I always start with the fact that you have extraordinary Justin skills, knowledge and desire apply them to the individual aspects that you're interested in and allow them to show or allow the awareness of how we're all connected and everything's connected to go ahead and uh, appear instead of trying to go do something that's already done. Yeah. Yeah. The idea, uh, you know, one of my favorite philosophers, a fellow by the name of Neville Goddard, Neville Goddard. Um, yeah. In one of his lectures, he said, "What you know, um, what should be done between the um, um, the assumption of the wish fulfill, fulfilled, and, and the key word here is the assumption. I mean, I I, I live it, speak, you know, speak it, feel it, smell it, taste it inside. I, I mean, the assumption that it's already happened. I just haven't arrived. What should be done between the assumption of the wish fulfilled and its realization? And he had a one word answer to that question." Nothing. I can do nothing. Once the seed is planted, it's going to germinate and grow. It's uh, in the, the predication here, and, and it, it really is predicated on this, is the assumption lives inside me. I plant the seed inside me. I nurture that on a daily basis. I nurture that every single breathing moment. It lives inside me, and it can't not be manifest. And then I just go about doing what I'm doing. I do what I do. I do the do, but I don't focus on, okay, I need to push the river here. I need to go in that direction. I need to, I, I need to make that connect. What needs to appear will appear. And it just is going to be in the flow of the state of what you're doing. You're, you're making that difference right now. You can't not be making that difference once you've assimilated and you know, really locked that feeling in. Uh, and then you work from there. Yeah. But what do I consciously, e egoistically do? Nothing. I don't do anything. Spirit will move to and through me. And then the wish is fulfilled. It's already mm -hmm. happened. You just haven't arrived. And do, doing nothing and doing the do is doing the Tao. And so uh, <laughs> exactly. let's, do the, let's do the Tao now. The Dow. Uh, Justin Frutrell, thank you so much for all that you do do. And all, especially... As I meet more and more young executives like yourself, it just inspires me how blessed we are and how bright our future is. Uh, because you know, a lot of times we get to focus in on the idio, the idio. Uh, oh, how can I say this in a positive manner? Into things that may not enlighten us uh, in social media. And what I find is the majority of young people are completely aligned with you. 
uh, and the seeds have been planted for a very bright future. We want to thank you. And if there's anything we can do to support absolutely the pull-ups, you know, let us know. Everybody, where, where can they go to donate? I got TanzaniaWaterFund.net. Anywhere else? Venmo, Tanzania Water Fund. There you go. Okay. Send the money, as they say. That's Show me the money. Water is a necessity. Thank you, Justin, for joining us on Office Hours. Wayne, David, thank you. You bet, Dick. Appreciate Take it. care, Justin. All right. Last but not least, the cleanup hitter of the day, my dear <laughs> friend, the supercaster himself, Sean Anthony, host of Schools Over, dot, 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 now what? He also has the Now What Academy. He is the head mentor there. Schools Over, now what.com. And, uh, you know, you're one of the first podcasts, I think, that I met personally they, they these guys came <laughs> to my house on a friday night we had dinner together he still uh, says that julie has the best chicken he's ever tasted uh, nice. uh which puts him in a, in, in a unique group let's just put it that way to not compliment <laughs> my wife uh but anyway um you are you've been in the game a long time and there's a lot of subtleties of successes we're over two million podcasts and everybody wonders how to get a top podcast and to build a community and an audience uh, and I've been blessed to do so because of people like you. And now you've come out with the podcast secrets revealed uh, yeah. to help people. And uh, what are some of those secrets that people can learn in this book that you've learned over all these years? Man, first off, man, shout out to you. I think you're one of the first people I've met in person that actually like like you had a bigger personality than I imagined, and you actually you met it. Like so many so many times you meet people in person, you're like, yeah, I hope they hope they're as cool as they are online. But you actually exceeded that, man. Yeah. Uh, so shout out to you. Uh, you know, Mike somebody, Stud. Mike Stud gave me a great compliment one time. I went up to his house to do his podcast, and yeah. you know he's a pretty famous musician, right? He goes. Dave Meltzer's way cooler than I thought he was. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it's the truth. It's the truth, man. I'm like, oh, man, this is cool. And I had the opportunity to hang out with you a couple times, man. And uh, for me, when it comes to podcasting, right, like the real secret is in the power of the connection. Like, that, that, that's the secret. And it, it, I, think, I think I see so many people who have shows, they interview people, and that's the last time they ever talk. They never talk to them again. I think one of the things that's been able, that I've been able to utilize is take those connections, look for other opportunities, and continue to build with them. Uh, mm -hmm. By far, has been a huge key for me. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great example. Um, and, and I love that because, you know, Meredith is, is for me a great example of that. I mentioned when we were talking with her that, you know, she had made some introductions for me and, yeah, and it just kind of goes out from there. And, and some of these introductions have actually turned into some pretty good friends. Um, yeah. And that continues to move. Now, yeah, yeah, you haven't tasted my wife's chicken yet, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> we can do about that. Tell Cynthia to invite me and Sean over. We're ready. <laughs> yeah, we're ready. Well, we're, 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 I got we're, power back here on the island. <laughs> we can maybe do something about that. <laughs> yeah, we, we got we to do a battle of, of who has the best chicken, man. I'm telling you, I tell you people all the time. That was top five. <laughs> That's amazing. So, um, you know, one of the other things, Sean, is the entrepreneurial spirit that you have. Uh, most of the early podcasts are from entrepreneurs because those were the people that got involved in podcasting. You had to have an entrepreneurial spirit, a mindset in order yeah. to try this out. Um, I'm going to delve a little bit deeper into the topic side of what you talk about, because I think there's two ways uh, to go in a podcast. You can have, you know, the star route where, you know, you're, 
Chris Carter sports podcast and you live off of your legacy and your brand and your knowledge of sports, but he, they talk about everything. Uh, but the podcasts that do, you know, the best today are what I call the Dr. Pimple Popper podcasts. Uh, <laughs> the ones that hit one issue uh, and go deep into it and address the 7.6 billion people that listen to podcasts, uh, you know, in total at some time, they don't necessarily download them, but they'll listen to a piece of part of video uh, and even download them as well. But your podcast is about schools over now what? And what I love about the topic is you think, well, this is very narrow. You know, it's only for kids who are coming out of school, but it's not. Uh, because, you know, it's been a long time since I was in school, but I'm always in school. And we talked about this when we were together, right? School's not over because when you think about now what, now who, now how, now now, is the Dow, and then applying my why, it's today is over, now what? Yeah. Today is over, now what? And continually to pursue that potential what are some of the revelations uh, that you've received from people giving you their perspective of being more interested than interesting of knowing how to prioritize what to do next? Oh man, that's a good question. I, I think, I think what's helped me so much and you said it, right. It's way deeper than just a narrow focus. And there's so many people from broad spectrums. I've had, you know, Grammy award winners, like Estelle on the show. I've had Emma Lett on the show. I've, I've had, you know, uh, New York Times bestselling authors like Seth Godin on the show. What, what I'm finding is the parallel is that everyone took a different path, but the cool part about it is they tell you how they got to where they were. Some of them never even went to college. Some of them dropped out. Some of them, you know, got a degree in something that they're not even using. But what they're showing, you know, my audience is that, hey, if you follow these steps, you follow these methods, you too can unlock a career like this. And when I ask the question, I ask everyone who's been on the show, if you were that person who just graduated, perhaps you didn't at all, asking yourself the question of the podcast, what advice would you give? Right. And that has unlocked some of the most craziest answers from mm -hmm. to, to you know who needs the education to, you know, you can you can do this with, with what you've got right now or or go to school for the relationships and the connections that you can maybe leverage on in the future. Uh, I think that has been one of the biggest ahas for me. And the show just continues to grow. And we've had such a wide range of, of people on it. Yeah, I, the, the the Now What Academy, I mean, just kind of picking up that riff. Uh, yeah, it's kind of like, okay, I'm here now, now what? Yeah, sort of a deal. Yeah. And that, that whole notion of, um, I, I just keep moving. You know, I wrote an article you know, a number of years ago called The Fruit Fly's Life. And, you know, a fruit fly will live for 24 hours. And that's why they're such great research subjects in laboratories. And they've got a, life, a lifespan of 24 hours. But I said, well, what if I approach my life from the perspective of being a fruit fly, a fruit fly's life? Yeah, I've got I got this 24 hour span and that's all I got. Now what? The now what academy? How do I actually I wake up in the morning? I got 24 hours and it. Yeah, I, yeah that article actually preceded Groundhog Day. Uh, was kind of <laughs> interesting, but yeah, uh, that whole notion of now what? Now yeah. what? Now what? And it's not necessary that I have a, a whole baggage truck filled with experience or anything else. The question now what? compels something in itself how did you land on that you know, for yourself I'm, I'm really curious about that Sean yeah, yeah. What, what was that yeah that yeah epiphany for you 
Man, that's a great question, man. So, like, at 14, I was a different type of person, man. 14, I was in the clubs. I was partying. I, I was with Rick so. Ross, Young Jeezy. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was a promoter at 14. I was throwing parties. Uh, my uh-huh. first party, I made I made $6,000. So, I went off to college, not for education. I went off to college to chase the bag, to get the money, and I did. I was a big-time nightlife party promoter, and I saw so many people just going off, you know, after four years, going back home. So, I went corporate. I was promoted six times in four years, and I looked at my friends and none of them knew what to do they didn't know what what they could do in life what was next for them and i figured out okay i'm not going to be the one that's going to change their life what i'm gonna do is i'm gonna use my charismatic ability to bring people together i'm gonna go get the people of the biggest names that you can imagine and i'm gonna get them to tell their stories and we're gonna figure this thing out we're gonna figure out okay now what do we do and that's what birth schools over now what all right i love that i love that that's very cool yeah gotta have you on my show as well yeah, you gotta you gotta get on Blaine's show for sure. No, yeah. last question, real quick, and then we're gonna do takeaways of the day. Sean, you partner still uh, utilizing your podcast as a platform to introduce yourself and align like this is aligning you with Blaine, and uh, but you have to be able to walk the walk. And one of the okay. things you know, you wrote this book, Podcast Secrets Revealed. One of the things, whether I'm coaching a speaker, a salesperson, an author, a podcaster. If I'm helping them, I can help them with everything except for two things. And these are the two things that I think are the differentiators of successful books, podcasts, and speakers. One is consistency. Uh, I can't teach it. You know, I, I, I can motivate it and inspire it, but I can't teach it. Uh, it's something that, you know, has to come within. But it's, it, it's an essential piece. If you're not consistent, it's never going to happen for you. Um, uh, and, and then the other one is actually have the talent, uh, you know, like, and I, and I mean this in a very fair way that I love football. I, I, I love it. It's just inherent in my innate energetic and genetic. And the minute I touched it, it was like finding, you know, a soulmate from 200 lifetimes, you know, the same <laughs> way when I met Julie, it was like finding my football. Uh, but within my consistent, and I'm one of the most consistent people you'll ever meet. I, at 53, I'm learning that. That's a superpower. But I just didn't have the talent. You, you, you know, I, I, my quantum potential is not that of Antonio Gates or Justin Herbert or Dan Fouts or Warren Moon, for example, who I know intimately. Uh, you know, he's just far more talented than me. Uh, but the same holds true to authors and speakers and podcasters. And it's not to say that I should not pursue football because, you know, I'm not and I don't have the talent. But I think managing the expectations of people uh, in your book, A Podcast Secrets Revealed, just because Sean gives you a secret, you still have to be consistent and then you'll be limited by your potential. Uh, and do you address that in your book or do you have any thoughts on that? Uh, absolutely. Uh, a couple of things I do in the book is, is want to talk about the power of not code switching. That's why people are attracted to me. Right. I could be in a room full of people with suits and joggers and some of the flyest tennis shoes uh, you've seen. <laughs> right. Like I, I can, but I'm always me. I say what I say. I feel how I feel. I think that's the real hack. And people are drawn to it. You're going to attract everybody that's for you or you're going to repel everybody that's against you. And in this book, I talk about three things that are important before you even start a podcast. One, know yourself. 
Two, position yourself. And three, present yourself. And I break down that formula in each of those categories so you can truly stand out as a star, but walk in your uniqueness. And I think that's the difference for every line of podcasters. What a great way to end. Oh, okay. You have not disappointed again, my friend. <laughs> you please come back. We got multiple shows. We got some bigger deals that, as you know, uh, we're working on some TV stuff and uh, Office Hours has got a a new sign deal yesterday that we'll be announcing uh, as well. We got to look at the TV side of Office Hours uh, with you and, of course, all of your network. Thank you Absolutely. so much, John, man. Anytime you want, you come back. Schools over now, what.com. Schools over now, what podcast in the book, Podcast Secrets Revealed. You got to check out my boy, Sean. Thank you so Absolutely. much for joining us. Appreciate Sean, you, man. Yeah, love you, buddy. Great having you. <laughs> We're blessed. That's it. All right, Blaine, hey, takeaways for the day. Back it up. Um, I'm going to you know, actually pick something up that Sean did and then just kind of throw some big blanket over the whole the whole show this morning here. Um, know yourself, position yourself, present yourself. I mean, just kind of work from that, you know, that framing. I love that, that idea. Yeah. Yeah, and, and also something you said, you know, consistency and talent. Where consistency and talent meet, you got some, you know, Un unbelievable opportunities, but for consistency doesn't meet talent, then you get to ask a question for the sake of what? And uh, yeah, yeah, with you, I know football is a passion. I've known that since the first day I met you. Uh, I also know that you're short. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I've seen your hands next to Warren's. Uh, so, but, but it doesn't diffuse the passion. It doesn't diffuse the passion. What it does is it channels it. Yeah, you, you don't have to give up on the passion. Now, the dream is going to change. The dream is going to, and this kind of goes back to some of Meredith's work around the, the whole idea of coaching. Yeah, organizations have got people in them. That's all organizations are. Everybody has something they're passionate about. And if a manager or a leader from, a, from the perspective of coaching can tap into you know, the, the, the whole idea of invite people to know themselves well, know themselves well. And then if they know themselves well, how do they position themselves so that they can actually do what needs to be done in their life so that they feel fulfilled? And then they present out to the world. So that, I mean, that whole idea, I mean, there's a full circle that kind of comes into play with this. You might end up doing a thousand pull-ups uh, pull uh, as a consequence of this. You know, there's no telling where it ends. And this is part of my answer to, uh, uh, to, uh, uh, to uh, Justin on this. Once the seed's planted, you just, you know, what do you do? Well, you do nothing. Well, that, I mean, it doesn't mean you do no things. <laughs> yeah. But you don't have to push the river. The river is going to move. And you, all you got to do is know yourself well enough to find a way to keep in the seam of the current and then move from there. So um, I loved it. Uh, this was a good show today. Really good show. Today. Always a good show. Sometimes it's a great show even. I think we, we're <laughs> tempting that today. Um my takeaway is do the Dow now. Do the Dow now. Apply your why. You know, you already have your why. So let's use football as an example. Uh, although I am short with small hands and have, you know, limitations in my talent, it didn't mean I can't apply my why, my, my love for football to my personal life, yeah. to my business, to philanthropy. Uh, so... I do a ton around football events to raise money. 
you know, just the same as Justin applies his why with pull-ups to get water to Tanzania. You know, they, mm-hmm. people don't understand that you you are already the Tao. You, you yeah. are nothing to no thing to nothing uh, is our journey. And to do the Tao now, to know what that's like, to instead of trying to go get things, to be a professional football player, but instead to apply football to everything you do, uh, to know that I'm happy, healthy, wealthy, and worthy, I don't have to go get it. I have to figure out what I'm doing to interfere with it yeah. by applying my why, my skills, my knowledge, and my desire. And I think through Meredith Bell and her support system that she creates through a collective consciousness of peer-to-peer uh, mentoring, uh, of course, Justin, as we mentioned, and finally, Sean, uh, all of them elevate others to elevate themselves. They do the Tao now. Something I've learned from learn dot blamebartlett.com forward slash lmm the master himself the mindset mastermind if you haven't done it if you want to move possibilities to profit i call it the possibilities the probability to profit that's what i've learned from blaine if you think about what you want it's a possibility blaine will inspire you to make it a probability but i'll also give you the discipline the strategy and the awareness to make it a profitability I appreciate you, my friend. Please send my love to the extraordinary chicken chef herself, Cynthia Kersey, founder of Unstoppable Foundation, something that's near to dear uh, as well. Cynthia is near to dear to my heart, but uh, to Blaine and I especially. Uh, Thank you so much for joining me. We'll see you next week, my dear friend. Love it, buddy. You have a great week. Thank you for waking up early. Go Gorgon. Absolutely, always. Go Ducks. Go Ducks. Go Ducks. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Here we are. I feel like the monster at the end of the book. If you haven't read uh, the monster at the end of the book, it's one of my favorite Sesame Street books that have ever existed. It's about doing the Tao now. You are the monster at the end of your book. So stop trying to block or brick or nail the pages shut. Don't be afraid of the next page. It's just you. Lovable, cuddly Grover, I promise. Anyway, we're always enjoying ourselves here. This is Office Hours with David Meltzer. Remember, most importantly, be kind to your future self and do good deeds. We'll see you. Take care.